Hey beautiful, you are listening to the Africana Women Podcast. My name is Chulu, your host. As you know, April is the month of health here in the Africana Women Universe. <laughs> but first of all, I have a small favor to ask. If you are loving these interviews and conversations and lessons, and you know you're getting something out of this, I would love for you to tell someone else about the Africana Woman podcast. It's as easy as sharing it with them or posting about it on your socials or... Or you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. This really helps us reach more people. Listen, our goal is to be the number one resource for African women's well-being. So we can do this together. Let people know we are here to help. If you are new to the Africana Women podcast, I want you to know that every week I ask an Africana woman to invite us into her home to give us a snapshot into what happens behind her closed doors. She is not famous. She is simply the girl next door. She is just like you. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. This episode is brought to you by the Africana Women Visionaries. This is the premier network for female entrepreneurs of African descent. You can learn more about the Visionaries and how you can be a part of this amazing group of women by visiting at Africana Women on Instagram or Facebook. Ooh, ooh. This health series is really coming for my edges, guys. Like our guest, Carolyn, does not hold anything back as she explains how our spiritual pain manifests in our body. Basically, when we have physical ailments, we rush to treat the symptom and not the actual root cause. If you listen carefully, there are a couple of moments that Carolyn did a cold read on my issues. I was like, uh, <laughs> is that what we're doing today? <laughs> so this episode, um, it addresses both the physical and sp spiritual health. I don't want to give too many spoilers. So here is my conversation with Carolyn Zimba. Carolyn Zimba is the CEO of Empowered Alignment. She was born in Zambia and at the age of five, Carol Carolyn moved to England. She is a movement specialist. However, she did train as an engineer and um, she fondly says that she has a fascination in the mechanics of bodies. Her work focuses on the spiritual plane. Carolyn, welcome to Africana Woman Podcast. I am so excited to have you join us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really, really blessed to be, even be here. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. All right. So let's get started. Um, I know so many times the work that we do end up doing that is, uh, you know, purpose work is very much um, derived from our own stories. And I know the work that you do deals with um, the body and trauma and healing trauma that's in the body. So I really want you to take us back, take us to the story of how you found yourself on this journey to empowered alignment. 
Okay, well, that's a long, you know, I'm not sure we've got enough time for that. <laughs> well, um, empowered alignment. For me, I'm really passionate about empowerment because I think I've been in a place where I didn't feel powerful. I felt very disempowered. And so it's my, I suppose, passion to empower people to actually step into their authority. And I use the word authority specifically because as a Christian, we need to step into our authority. We have authority mm-hmm. on this earth and we need to step into that. And so for me, um, for many, many years, I think I, I searched for something. I didn't know what it was, but I just remember feeling very alone, very lost and always, you know, I remember writing a poem in, in college and um, at university actually, and it said something like, um, have you ever been in a room where you're got surrounded by so many people yet you feel so alone mm. and that's how I used to feel I always felt quite alone I, I felt like I was disconnected from people my family and as much as I'm probably one of the most friendly people you'll ever meet I used to feel very um, you know displaced and so it was a guess it was a learning curve um, okay. of just uh things happening along the way to kind of get to where I am today you know and the way I suppose if you think about stories we all have stories and we all have come from somewhere and these stories are what define us and so um the I the decisions we make based around those stories are what actually bring us to where we are today I always say that we are the sum accumulation of all of our experiences and so for me, it's a case of, okay, at five years old, uh, or maybe I was, actually I was three years old. Um, I think my little brother was born. I was born 78. He was born 81. So I was three. Um, mm-hmm. I, was le- I, I was left at my grandmother's house um, while my mom was doing her thing. And I think she just had my, my brother. And it wasn't just me. I know my other siblings were there as well. But for me as a female, that age was a very significant age. So I always felt like, um, I think I felt quite abandoned. But it's not Mm -hmm. something that I was ever, ever aware of, really, until I got a lot older, where it was like, okay, processing, why do I feel this way and Mm -hmm. what happened? How long did they leave you there, though? It was only about a year, which is not long. It's not long, right? But if you think of a three-year-old... No, because you know when you were saying it, I was like, oh, maybe it's like they left you for five days, but then you're like, a year ago, that's a long time. For a three-year-old, it's a really long time. But I realized that, you know, my mom didn't want to do it. It was just the situation we were in. You know, they were coming to England. You know, it worked out the way it worked out. And it's not even an issue. And it's not something where I expect anyone to feel any kind of guilt. It's just a case of... At three years old, the, the three-year-old brain went, where's my mummy going? Why is she not here? And then, you know, she mm. probably would have been pregnant as well. And so, you know, she's nursing a pregnancy. She's got a young three-year-old. Mm. On top of that, she's got one, two, three, four other boys. So, you know, for a, a young woman who was in, I think, her 30s, uh, no, early 20s, I think, when she had us. So you can imagine how difficult it was for her anyway. Um, and for, for that to be in Zambia, it's it's not easy. So already I have so much respect for my mother. I really do. I, but it's taken a few years to get to, get to this point where you can say, you know what, mom? I, honestly, thank you. I love you. I respect you. And I couldn't do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 42 and I'm like, ah, gosh, can you imagine having those many kids at that time, at that age? It's not easy. And no. so, um, but the three-year-old me made that decision. And then I guess you kind of look for evidence for that decision or that mm-hmm. belief. 
And if you think about any, any kind of beliefs that we all have, we'll be looking for evidence. You know, that thing that you're looking for, you will find. And so for me, it was about abandonment where I've got like, I can even uh, count off my hand a few friends who literally were there. And the next minute we just, we weren't connected. We weren't talking, nothing. It was like, they just kind of said, sayonara, Caroline, Carolyn, off you go. And um, one, two, I think it was four of them who actually initially were like, we were tight. When I say tight, best friends, sharing your bed, spend all your time together, go out together, go on holiday, do whatever stuff. And then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, all of a sudden they're just not, you're not friends anymore. Mm-hmm. So that kind of added and all these little micro traumas that you go through life um, as well. Even when I was 11 years old, um, I was uh, groomed by one of my auntie's friends who came to the house and was like, you know, doing some random stuff. Luckily it didn't get to, you know, the crazy like abuse, abuse uh, stuff, but Mm. it still definitely made a big dent in terms of my growth and my development into an adult. Because from, mm-hmm. I remember like saying at 13 to my mom, oh yeah, no, I'm not going to get a boyfriend. I'm not getting anyone, you know. And, and I remember making that decision. It's not going to happen. But that came about, I guess, I think my, I had my first boyfriend at 25. And yeah, and it was fine. Had the relationship, whatever. But again, I was still operating on, I think, whatever programming I had. And mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of other stuff that I kind of well, figured out. Okay, let's slow <laughs> it down a little. Yeah. Let's talk about, because um, you Sorry, said that's that... Lot, at, that is a lot of information for you. I know, there's a lot in there already. So you said at 11, yeah. you were groomed by your aunt. What no, does my that aunt, mean? My aunt's like friend or something, some guy. So he would have been in his 30s and I was 11. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he just would, he came around the house. He's like, oh, hi, could you get me some water? I uh, went into the kitchen and then he was, yeah, anyway, we, we won't talk about what happened, but suffice it to say, I remember being sat in church. I can't remember which it is, to be honest. I think it was both, probably two triggers. One, I was either I was in church or I was watching a TV program about abuse or, you know, telling kids, if this stuff happens, you know, it's not right. Make sure you mm-hmm. tell somebody, da, 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 da. And I remember sitting there and I, I think in my head, I have a picture of me sitting in a pew at church and looking up at the priest and he was talking, whatever he was saying. And I remember thinking, oh, that's why it doesn't feel right. Because obviously at 11, I had no idea. I didn't, who knows, you know, and also in those days, you know, we're talking what? So, so like 30 years ago, mm-hmm. You know, the way children grow up now, everything is so sexualized, sexualized, whereas at that age, that was not the case. And so, you know, I didn't really have a clue what was going on. And so when I heard that, I remember the next time he came around, this is me stepping into my authority. I have this picture of me in my head, little little old Carolyn standing there in the kitchen. He's coming along, he's like, oh, come, come. So I went in and I and he's like, oh, and he tried to touch me again. And I said, no. I remember standing, standing. I just, I remember standing and feeling very expanded and big and saying, Mm. no, I just said, no, get out. No. And that's all I remember the occasion. I'm sure more was said. And he went, oh, you've grown up now. And I said, yes, get out (laughs) or something. I don't even know, but I never told anybody about it until I was about uh, 18. And that was to one of my college friends, Mm. yeah, college, but I never told anybody. So it's quite a big thing, and to be honest, even though I'm telling you about this, I haven't, I haven't actually discussed it with my siblings. 
apart from what my sister, apart from my sister so if my brother yeah. is hearing this I'm sorry guys that you're finding out about it now um I'm fine honestly I'm well adjusted yeah, now yeah yeah <laughs> it, it yeah. explains a lot about my behavior <laughs> um, so Carolyn okay let's just talk about this because um we um on the podcast we talk a, a lot about um you know how culture influences um especially women's lives you know and you know being in such a situation situation um as a young girl you know at 11 years old and not being able to tell anyone and speak to anyone about it why why do you think that was you know I don't even know I literally when I look back and think why did I not tell anybody Mm. just I don't know if it never occurred to me I really don't know. I know that my mom was, you know, she had a lot of work to do. She was out working. Mm. My grandmother was, and it's funny because my grandmother was in the other room. And my was dad, this was here in the UK. And my dad was here, uh, was the, in Zambia. He was there. Okay. So, so dad was there, mom was here, but she was at work and she, you know, she worked like late, late, uh, long hours. Cause you know, she had to feed, she had mouths to feed. <laughs> There's a lot mm. of us. And uh, we, we, we ate a lot. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. And I, that's where I'm, I, I don't even know how I didn't think to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I sit here and I think, I don't know why I didn't say anything. Because I would want to know if I was a mother, my God, the way I'd get match it. Let's go. And mm-hmm. I just, it never occurred to me. I don't know why. I really don't know. And I can't even answer that question. But I think it's not, it's not a good thing because, mm-hmm. you know, I should have at least been able to go and say to somebody, look, this is happening. Cause you know, there's some cultures where you say that and people don't believe. And it's funny because, you know, some of my clients, I deal with that kind of stuff now. Mm-hmm. So when they tell mm-hmm. me, I'm like, okay, I get it. I yeah. get it. It's like, right. Let's get you to a place where you feel empowered and strong. And yeah. so I don't know. And it's, it's a good question culturally. And you know what for me gets me right. You know, this mm-hmm. movement recently, it's mm-hmm. like, Every single woman I've spoken to or know has a story to tell. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has a story. Even if it was a wolf here or this uncle did what, this somebody's did this, so-and-so did that, you know. And then mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, where is that? I mean, you know, I know somebody as well who they told their mother. Mother mm-hmm. was also not, didn't feel empowered enough to do anything about it either. So then you're like, okay, what happened? What, mm-hmm. what, what's... um. What's happening with society that we're in a position where people feel this way? It's like, no, we are, you know, we're created as, um, how would I say, like helpers to men, right? But mm-hmm. the men, you know, when you look in the Bible, it's so interesting. Um, and it talks about husbands and wives, obviously. Yeah. It talks about the role of the man in the family, in the family. We talk yeah. about the husband in the family, the, wi- uh, the wife in the family. What I love about it is that they say the wife has to respect the husband. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the husband has to love the wife. He has to love yeah. God. He has to love the wife. So if you love somebody, the way you treat them is super respectful. You love them. You cherish them. You care about them. Of course, that woman respects you. She's gonna love you back because you're treating her so wonderfully, right? Mm-hmm. But then you know, it's this idea that women are here for men's pleasure, and uh, you know, it's okay to pat a woman on the back on on the bottom or do whatever. And I've had that as well. I've had someone pinch my butt, pat me on the back. You know, mm-hmm. someone flashed me here and there. You, just, you know, there are stories and I even think about it now. There are far mm-hmm. too many 
of yeah. these stories. And I'm sure the people listening now can probably go, oh yeah, actually, yeah, I had something happen. It, you know, even down to like in my workplace where some other guy got promoted above me, yet I'd been there longer and I trained him up. I knew more than he did, yet he got promoted. It's like, and at the time I didn't feel empowered enough to say something and go, why are you promoting him? I should have got that promotion because it was absolutely not, there was in terms of quality um, skill set, nothing apart from he was better at ass licking. <laughs> Excuse the language. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not, I did not. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we moved. I was about this topic until you asked. Now I'm like, <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. So, okay, so we've got two, you know, significant traumatic experiences from your childhood that, you know, when you were three years old and when you were 11 years old, did any other incidences happen when you were older? Um, No, not really. I think it's more just, you know, I always talk about micro traumas. Hmm. What's a micro trauma? Define it for us. (laughs) Okay, my definition of micro trauma. Um, So like... Say someone says something to you, it's a small thing, mm-hmm. you don't pay much heed, but depending on who said it, that's how, that's the difference it will make to you. you yeah. know? And if you're not in a place where you are fully solid and unshakable in your, in your strength, mm-hmm. you're going to take it on board. Even if you say, oh, whatever, and then it'll start sitting and it's like a little, yeah, you know, or I don't know, the way I can describe it is this way. So this is about one lady I worked with, right? I'll try and mm-hmm. make this quick. She came to me, she had a sore shoulder. It was her left shoulder. It was really sore, right? And um, she could only raise her arm about that high um, from, you know, Mm -hmm. she couldn't raise it. You know, your arm's supposed to go up here. Yeah, yeah. So we started, you know, I started getting it stretched, move around, we're discussing things about what happened, how long she's had it. So Mm -hmm. simply she'd had it for about six months. I saw her in December, six months Mm -hmm. back. That would have been summer holidays, okay? So Mm -hmm. she's got a child, Mm 10-year-old. Um, childcare was a bit of an issue because she, you know, okay. working. she's a single mother. So that okay. was an issue. She wasn't mm-hmm. living in, in, in England. So that means she's away from that family support unit. So if you need like childcare or yeah, drop him off at the aunts and uncles or whatever, not possible. Okay. So mm-hmm. having a conversation with mom, mom obviously is matriarch, raised you, birthed you. Oh, you know, somehow transpired that made her feel like she wasn't a good mother. Mm. she was failing and she wasn't very good and you know obviously she would have been sat there going you know what I, I want to do the best for my son and so um because it was the left side left side t- talks about um femininity your feminine side your right side is okay. your feminine side um, okay. and then also shoulders it kind of relates to like you know say when they say you've got the weight of the world in your shoulders or if you mm. ever notice when you're really like feel overwhelmed and you've got lots and lots of work to get done where do you feel it the most me really in the shoulders I feel like it's like at the base of my spine. Okay. That's why I get really that's, stressed. That's another one, yes. <laughs> that's a whole other one. A lot yeah. of people get there too. But again, if you're sitting a lot, um, lower spine, it's more about thinking, feeling worthy and, oh gosh, I'm not doing, oh. I'm not doing a great job. Like if you're getting bullied, potentially yeah. there because they're kind of like making you, belittling you. But um, shoulders, um, yeah, actually that makes sense because then you're, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. The back. Talk about that later. Um, but the shoulders, um, and so the shoulders, she felt very overwhelmed, too much work, da da da. But it was the left shoulder because that's so when I was asking her, I said, you know, who were you talking to? Um, so she said, Mom and uh feminine. Okay, that makes because I because it was the left side, so I knew it was someone who it was a female in her mm-hmm. life somewhere. So whatever her mother said 
went right into that shoulder where she felt mm. like she wasn't doing a good job. And therefore, she couldn't raise her arm. So by the time we were wow. done, and we were doing whatever we were doing, she was on the floor. I got her into this twist. She was very much nursing this arm and really couldn't do anything uh, with it. And then I got her to do a twist and she was lying on the floor. And I remember just saying to her, I said, you know, you're doing a great job, right? You know, being a mother is not easy. And being a single mom is even more challenging. And then she was like, the next thing I hear, I can't even do the sound. They basically were sobbing. Yeah, like yeah. full on, all out, deep, gut-wrenching, sobbing. That was like deep. So I was like, I'll just get you some tissue. I'll just leave you for a moment. When I came back, she, she had like kind of five minutes, cried her eyes out, came out, twisted her to the other side, got her up, sat up. I said, put your arms above your head. Straight. And I said, look. She went, what? I said, look. She was like, what? I said, look at your arms. She went, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> she was just like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh. I said, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. And she was done, and then off she went. <laughs> she was very happy. <laughs> but you know, mm. so when you think about micro traumas, it's just like it could be anything, small things mm. people say to you. It could be, you know, some people when you hear about these like really famous people say, Oh, what did you overcome in your life? Oh, well, you know, I overcame bullying when I was such and such an age. Bullying, you know, experiencing that is trauma. It could be like little little words of belittlement throughout the day. Mm from people it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you know or somebody but you know it's whatever we take on depending on how much strength we feel in ourselves and so mm-hmm. my trauma it's kind of like you know you pick up lots of different things that would have happened along the way and you know they might not have been they would have not been um there would have been less than desirable experiences but then they make you who you are and it's how you determine those experiences that will kind mm-hmm. of get you to a place of feeling the way you feel like when I was in India and I was doing my training and I decided I was going to take three days of silence mm-hmm. because my roommate was driving me nuts and it was like either punch her or to stay silent. Now, I wouldn't have punched her. I'm really not violent. I don't know why I'm even coming across like that at all. I'm very, you know, I'm very chilled most of the time. But anyway, she was driving me nuts and she was staying up late and she was like on her phone until silly o'clock and then she couldn't wake up at four o'clock or 4.30 when we need to wake up. And I'm like, but if you go to bed so late and you have your phone, you're kick, 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 kicking and I'm trying to sleep. So it was this whole like, uh, can you have mm. your own worst enemy kind of thing? Anyway, um, I did... I did three days where I was like, I'm not speaking. So I went to my classes, did whatever. And I was just chilling. And I was walking back to class one lunchtime. I remember laughing. I can laugh about it now. But at the time I was, when I said I was, I was, I was vexed. So Mm. I just felt this whack on the back of my head. And I'm like, and literally there was some kids that had thrown uh, one of those water bombs, you know, the balloon was water at the back of my head and because obviously mm-hmm. me, I, I you know and I don't I'm, I don't I'm not a typical Indian obviously and so I just and I don't look like a typical tourist because there's a lot of like Caucasians but not very many African mm-hmm. with an Afro mm-hmm. walking around um in the middle of a you know city or small city in India and so they t- I turned around and they just I remember just shouting yes <laughs> out of your silence <laughs> I was just like, I remember just going, <laughs> and then I looked around and they ran off. And I went, do you know what? They know they weren't supposed to do that because if they didn't, they would have st- stuck around and been silly. And whatever. but they knew they weren't supposed to do it, so they ran off. They were little kids. We're talking like ten, nine, you know, eight. They were small. They ran off, and so I spent the rest of the afternoon really irritated and really angry, and had to work through the whole emotion of how vexed I was about that situation happening. 
and because I wasn't speaking, I couldn't sort of be there going, oh my gosh, you never get what, guess what happened and pump up all the energy around the whole story and everything. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of what stories do we put and what energy do you put in these stories about ourselves and, you know, the little traumas that we have. So really, you know, I, I, I teach people how to kind of process that out of the system and let go of it and just be like, you know yeah. what? you got to just be the calm within the storm, man. The storm's in a rage around you no matter what, but you've got to stay yeah. calm. And, you know, that's that's where I'm working. That's what I'm working on. Like, you know, stuff in the world right now is nuts. But I'm yeah, like, I choose to stay calm. I choose yeah. to stay rooted and grounded and unshakable. Whatever craziness mm-hmm. people are going to manifest around me, it's like, you do your thing. For me, I'm just going to chill. And I know it's kind of irritating for some people that I'm this calm. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's my choice. Carolyn, how did you, why did you go study engineering? And then how did you transition to health and wellness? Uh, How does that happen? Well, it happens when you don't have enough money to finish your engineering degree, basically. Okay. (laughs) So I did the first year and, you know, I got pretty decent grades. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was engineering with, manufacturing engineering with French to be be exact. So, je parle un peu le français. Um, Mais, um, yeah, I didn't have enough money to finish, unfortunately. And so it was like, okay, what do you do? You got to work. And I guess I spent the next however many years just doing odd jobs here. I worked like in retail. I've worked in help desk administrator, lots of admin kind of roles. And then um, at 25, I started doing yoga. Mm-hmm. And then I did my training after 10 years. And I And I guess I was teaching for the last... I've been teaching for the last seven years um, mm-hmm. and I've only just recently decided that I'm not doing yoga anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, technically I didn't, God decided. And I, mm-hmm. I was, I'm a very obedient child, so I have to do what he says, but it kind of makes sense to me now. I totally understand why. Um, but it meant I always had an interest in, I suppose, helping to feeling better and like just doing stuff around making sure people felt good, felt happy. Mm. And the idea of someone not feeling powerful for me is like anathema. I don't like that. It just drives me nuts. I'm like, no, I refuse for you to be handing your power over to somebody else. Mm. You know, you have to stand on your own two feet. And I don't know. I just think, I think what it was is the way Empowered Alignment actually came about was first of all, the name, that name came about, I think last year. Mm -hmm. And my program aligned movement came about um, during the pandemic over like the like March, April time. I just because all my classes stopped and I was at that point, I was still teaching yoga, Um, but I'd become born again the year before in October. So I think I already started shifting and changing and stepping away from yoga and realizing there's far too many doorways that you're opening there. And it just doesn't work for me, but there's in terms of physicality and movement, there's certain things there, but I use like Pilates, Alexander technique, um, personal training, a whole different kind of just, yeah. I I, I basically, I'm like one of those people creates a cocktail out of throwing me some stuff um, and tell me what you need. I'm like, okay, let's, here you are. That's what you, this is what you need. And it's usually the right thing. And that's not me. That again, comes from the most high. Um, but the, the whole idea was that when I was teaching, I found certain, uh, what's the word I can use commonalities through people okay. Okay. where they'd come and they have the same complaints, 
And I'm like, why, you know, why are you putting yourself through this? You know, the same kind of habits and things that people were doing. And so I'll be doing these sequences. And I remember when I first started teaching, you know, I had my little notebook or had my phone. I'd be there. Okay. Well, you know, while they're doing that, let me just check. What's, what's the next, um, uh, see what's the next pose that I've done. Okay. I've written it down. Okay. Cool. Right. Well, next one, you know, I'll be doing that. I'll have written it down somewhere and I'm checking and, oh, I just, you know, it, anyway, it was what it was. And then I just started finding myself where I'd started building sequences and okay. in my head and I'd be just like, okay, add that, add that. And then I go to a session, no phone, nothing, no planning. I just turn up and I'm like, okay, I'm like, hi guys. What are, how are you doing today? What do you feel like? How are you feeling? Talk to me about what you, what's going on. Shoulders, hips, back, always shoulders, hips, back. I'm like, okay, guys, but you know, that's evidence of modern technology, modern life, sitting a lot, um, yeah, being overworked and not getting enough rest, you know, all of the, the, the things that make up this kind of instant instantness of modern life. And so mm-hmm. I, I was like, OK, we need to. So I'd just be working and, you know, do my sequences and everything. And then it got to a point where at the end of the sessions, I'd end up doing like five, ten minutes of chit chat. Yeah. And I'm like, How? I, you know, sometimes I even surprise myself that like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but. This is what I have to say. So I'll be talking about things like, you know what? You need to forgive yourself, right? You have to forgive yourself because if you don't forgive yourself, it's like taking poison and you, mm. it eats up at you from the inside out. Or I was saying, look, if you're mad at somebody else, don't get mad at them. Just forgive them. The forgiveness isn't about them. It's about you stopping it from inside of you because any unforgiveness you have, whether it's towards you or towards somebody else, it eats you mm. inside. It's like giving someone else um, it's like you taking poison, expecting someone else to die. It's like you're the one who dies. So I think there's been like studies where they talk about, um, I think with cancer, cancer and um, the link between unforgiveness, um, which is yeah. interesting stuff out there. And people don't seem to realize it, that they're yeah. holding stuff from years before. But I just, I got interested in the whole idea of the, um, not just the mechanics, but the spiritual, the psychological and emotional side of of the the human being as it were because everyone's busy running out around being a human doing it's like stop being a a being because you are a being and you know you are far more powerful than this physical world that you think you exist in when I worked with a lady she's 84 now this woman 84 years old she's still (laughs) she's still angry at her dad at five wow can you imagine we fixed that though we sorted it she's fine now okay but, you know at the time it was like why is this an issue and I asked her to tell me yeah. why why are you so mad at him and there's all these little things that happened at five years old he left went off to 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 to, mm. to I think it was wartime so yeah he went off to war and when he came back a bit of a changed man clearly mm. whatever he saw out in the war was you know damaged him a little bit but then you know he was very strict and so okay. there were all these things up to when she was 16 that she still held grudges against him. And it was like, but that's, mm. that's what people don't realize. They hold all this trauma. It sits in your body. Someone who's overweight, you know, trauma sits in your fat. You get rid of that fat, get rid of that trauma and just allow yourself space to be. Mm. Girl, after the year we just had, I know as an entrepreneur and a leader, things got real lonely really fast. Uncertainty has become the order of the day and yet we must continue to not only survive but thrive. So as a leader, who do you turn to to fill your cup? 
to give you inspiration, to teach you and to mentor you. We have created a community just for this very reason, to support each other, to hold each other accountable and to be each other's cheerleaders. This group is called the Africana Women Visionaries because we're looking past the storm and are focused on the vision we have for our companies and the African continent. Join the Africana Women Visionaries free Facebook group to learn more. Now back to the conversation. Okay, so I want to just talk a little bit more about um, the disconnect that you found with yoga and your faith, which is Christianity. Um, just tell us a little bit more about that, because I know, um, you know, many African countries are either Christian or, you know, Either Muslim, other paintings, um, mm. yeah, even Christianity. You know, there's there's a difference between um, being spiritual and mm-hmm. between being spiritual and being religious. Mm. And when you're religious, there are a lot of doctrines. You know, certain rules that you have to follow. You must do this. You must eat like this, and da 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 da. Mm. And there are a lot of religions that do that. You know, it's like okay. And um, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one, like spirituality, and mm-hmm. it's you know, I trust my, my God is God and he, mm-hmm. you know, he's not steered me wrong. And since I, since I really built my relationship with him, the way my life has changed, I can't even tell you. And I think about the things like that he's done for me, even just prime example, my teeth are a little bit straighter than they used to be. I have mm-hmm. photographic evidence. Um, my eyes, I stopped wearing my glasses. I stopped wearing my contact lens about two months ago. I decided I'm not going to oh, wow. don't need them. Nice. And yeah. to be honest, you know, my body's catching up with what's going on in the spirit, in the spirit world, as it were, because I don't need them because glasses are like crutches. You know, mm-hmm. if you wear them, your, your, the muscles in your eyes kind of, you know, they don't work and they stop. So now it's like, OK, my eyes are starting to learn to use themselves again because I've been wearing glasses since I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. That's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> and so when you talk I, about like, um, you know, the yoga opening yeah. doors, like what does that mean? Like if somebody's <laughs> listening, they may not understand like, <laughs> are you talking about literal doors? Like what's going on? Spiritual doors. I mean, I don't want to mm-hmm. freak people out because it's it's quite a big thing. And, you know, it's not something I really talk about in public. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll probably get a bit of like, okay, people thinking, okay, she's a bit nuts. But think of, um, I don't know, there are certain things that if you do, you're kind of opening doorways. Um, like think about astrology, tarot mm-hmm. cards, you know, everyone's heard of a Ouija board, mm-hmm. you know, um, apparently even rock music. Um, and there's a whole host of other things that I kind of picked up on that I learned about mm. a really interesting book. It's called Set the Captives Free. It's like, okay. Set the Captives Free. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I tell you, that was an eye opener is all I'm going to say. An eye opener. And, you know, I've had experiences of things. So, you know, I, I don't in any way doubt there are those things out there. Mm. Um, and, you know, also being an African, um, you know, we have our witchcraft and all that stuff in, in, in um, Africa where people put curses on what on people and all that kind of stuff which is really scary and you know I had my own stuff I had to deal with mm. you know that I had to process and work out of my system even in terms of um just kind of the spiritual things like the spiritual baggage that you pick up along the way so when I say you're mm. open doors you're picking up you're picking up spiritual baggage and it's like people need to be careful you know there's a scripture in the bible I can't remember what it is but I was reading it the other day and I was like you know what that was me it says 
ignorance kills. Okay, that's like a paraphrase. I'm paraphrasing it, but it says ignorance leads to death, basically. <laughs> but we're talking like final, final, not like just the physical, but we're talking about the spiritual mm. side as well, um, where you're kind of opening up doorways to certain things that really you don't want to be. And that was for one of the things for me. I was like, I'm not doing yoga anymore because I don't want to be opening doorways to people unwittingly to certain things. It's like, oh, I'm stepping back from that. And I can see a difference in my life in terms of when I was busy, like when I was deep, deep, deep doing my thing, you know. Because you did it for 16 years. A long time. Yeah, I would. Mm. But, you know, after 16 years, surely I should be a success, right? I should be doing great things. I should be well known. 16 years is a long time. Yet that's not what happened. I didn't have much success, like Mm. in terms of like financially, even when I would do stuff, it would look like it was going to be really great and work out really well. And it just wouldn't, you know, mm. I anything that was like anything that I found that anything that's not of God is very temporary. You mm. get the beginning stuff, but then there's all these like, um, how can I put it? There's always like a, a clause in there somewhere. So it doesn't yeah. work out, you know, yeah. I've done like really great day retreats. I've done this and the other, but it just didn't work out. Whereas so far, um, you know, I'm in a year in and I, I trust God anyway. I'm not even stressed about it. It's like uh, my faith now is so like, I trust him. When he says he's going to do something, he go and do it. And he has yeah. like, I mean, you know, the apartment I'm in now is, but my living room is massive. And I remember walking in and just going, this is mine. This is my flat. And, you know, to get it was a mission and a half. And, I, you know, the amount of stress I went through, I slept on the living room floor in my auntie's house for a month. While uh, while this whole place was trying, you know, I was trying to get through the the like uh, contracts and getting the um, what do you call this? Passing the the checks and everything. It took mm. ages. Got it in the end, and I'm like, I'm so happy to be here. But for a long time, I was very transient. Like I never wanted to settle down. I didn't want to put my mm. roots or anything. And just a whole load of stuff. And also even to the fact that I never even, to be honest, this is probably more to do with what happened when I was younger. That I never, as much as I said I wanted to get married and have kids. I never saw myself getting married and having children. I just didn't believe it. Even I would say it with my mouth and, you know, 42, you're thinking, what, you know, why aren't you married? And it's funny because none of my family have ever asked me, it's like, why aren't you married? They just kind of look at me, and, which is really funny. You know how some people are always like. Interesting. Yeah, I know, right? I know, right? I don't. But to be fair. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that. But I, I've had, I've seen a vision of my wedding. Mm. I actually had a vision the other day of my husband and I was like, you know, I don't know what he looks like or anything. I just, it was more about the feeling of how I felt yeah. around him and my wedding dress and everything was epic. Um, and so it was kind of like, it was just a really lovely feeling. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, um, of just feeling, feeling loved. That's what yeah. it was. It yeah. was feeling loved. And, and I truly believe that that will happen for me, you know, but yeah. um, in terms of like, you know, I spent, I used to spend six hours with my astrologist in India. I wouldn't do that now. Okay. <laughs> I, wouldn't so, even, I wouldn't even read a horoscope. <laughs> okay. So going back to, you know, the trauma and healing of the trauma, I, I heard somewhere that um, there is such a thing as like, well, I want to find out from you anyway. It, can trauma be passed down from generation to generation? Uh, yeah, it can. There's ancestral trauma, ancestral like ancestral curses that you can have. But also, you know, when a, um, 
like when a woman gets pregnant, right, they say that um, the way the body is, Mm. it's like that you have to start preparing your body two years before you get pregnant, Mm. apparently, because then you're all in terms of what cells are processing and functioning in your system. So if if your mother is pregnant or if a woman is pregnant, if a woman is um, going through trauma during her pregnancy, that child is going to pick up on those things in the womb you know so you know how they say oh play play classical music for your for your baby baby bump because then your baby will be a lot more intelligent this that and the other you know so Mm. it's like the same thing if you're going by that basis if you can play classical music and get your child to be a little bit more intelligent then you can do the same thing with um uh how can i put it you can do the same thing with the or how to say the, the same thing would happen if someone's going through a bad experience. Yeah, a negative thing. Yeah. yeah. And so that's yeah. not cool. Hmm. So, okay. I guess for me, when I think of how much trauma has gone through, um, you know, Africans have been through from, you know, our children being taken away, you know, families being mm. split because of slavery, mm. um, colonization, civil wars, you know, fighting for independence, the list goes on and on. There's all these different traumas that have happened through, you know, our generations. But what would you advise for there to be some collective healing of that trauma yeah oh that's a big question man that's you know <laughs> collective healing that's a big okay job. at least an that's individual only, what can we do as an individual okay because you know what that question is like okay there's only one one like i would say okay if you're going to trust someone to fix that god <laughs> because there's a lot um yeah. basically i mean it's kind of like you know if you look at um how I found it really that has been quite interesting is if you look at, say, um, uh, a black person, I really mm-hmm. don't like using the word black because, you know, I'm not black, I'm brown. But anyway, right. you know, Afro-Caribbean, whatever. An African person, but if you look at, say, somebody who was raised, born and raised in, like, say, America and their grand ancestors generational live there compared to, say, someone in England, same thing, ancestral generations, and then compare it to somebody who was, say, raised, born and raised in Africa. I think mm-hmm. I'm a lot more well-adjusted than I've than some of the Caribbean people that I've met or mm-hmm. American, you know, Afro-Caribbean people. But just because I think there is so much trauma sitting in their cells that hasn't been healed. I mean, mm-hmm. the amount of problems they have with violence and everything, like even amongst each other, it's like the hatred and that's just continuously, I don't know, manifested and regurgitated through people it's so sad you know I want mm. I, I would love to see a world where people just manifested love you know for themselves for other people and if you treat other people the way you love yourself mm. it makes life so much easier right um so if I were to kind of advise anyone and what would you do as an individual I would say manifest peace and manifest love and that means whoever you encounter imagine that's you how would you expect to be treated and so if everyone's behaving in that way then somewhere along the way things are going to be nice everyone's going to feel good you know because everyone is treating everybody you love with you know with mm-hmm. that respect and I know it sounds kind of wishy-washy and very airy-fairy but it's actually not that difficult you know it's mm-hmm. like for example um one of the things I do is I work for a, a call center and I'm you know it's so funny I was like I don't know why I'm getting this particular job it kind of helps with the flat and stuff 
and um, you know, passing my credit checks and whatnot, which is great. Um, and it, but the nice thing, it's part time. I just do it a few hours. It sort of pays for this place while I'm you know busy with my business and stuff. But what I really love about what it's taught me is mm. how to manifest that love that God teaches us. And you know, because He says, treat others as um, treat others as you would like to be treated. You know, with love you know, love others as you'd love yourself as it were. And so I've had calls where I'm literally people are screaming down the phone at me, angry, like belligerent, you know, and the kind of person where if you were really not in the calm mindset that I was, there would be a lot of effing and blinding and <laughs> basically you turn the air like a bright blue haze, the whole room. It would be blue, blue, blue. And so, you know, I had calls like that where people have been so angry and you're, you know, I'm there, I'm trying to help them. And I was like, this person is being very difficult. My heart rate has gone up right now. So I know I'm under a little bit of stress, but I'm not, I refuse to get angry about this. I literally dealt with him. I was as calm as as much as I could be. I think on the phone for an hour, apparently anyone else, when I speak to them, I said, I want to hang up that phone after like five minutes or after three words. But I did my best and it was like, it's fine. Yeah. I've had a few other situations where people come on, they're really angry and they're like, ah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I do my best to be super calm, really empathetic. And literally, it's almost like I'm, ch- I'm just throwing lots of love their way. I'm like, look, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that when you get off this call, you feel mm-hmm. satisfied and you feel fine. And you know, they're like, oh, thank you so much. You've been so helpful. I said, not a problem. You take care. Have a good night. Blah, blah, blah. Again, I'm so sorry that you've had such an experience. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you so much. You, you know, and I even want to put the phone down and send love. That's it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what, who. And if people feel like they're heard mm-hmm. and they're seen, mm-hmm. that's a start. But the problem mm-hmm. is if you meet people where they are, you know, it's good to meet people where they are, but don't stay where they are if they're not in a good place because that's mm-hmm. not helping, that's enabling. So if someone mm-hmm. turns up and they're really irate, da, 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 and you also jump in and be irate for them, you're not really helping them. It's like, okay, how can we move you up the uh, emotional frequency scale, you know? Because like, if you think about how your emotions are, the um, like anger, depression um, are very low on frequency. Whereas if you think contentment, uh, happiness, enlightenment, all that, they're a lot higher up and you're much calmer, you know, very much, you know, better mm-hmm. state. But also what's funny is transversely, um, what is it? Depression has a lower frequency than anger. So if you've got someone who's depressed, better to get them angry because actually you're stimulating their system more. Once oh, they're wow. angry, then you can take them to a place of, okay, now let's see, now they're in, you know, you can build up the dialogue of getting them to a place because they're angry they're more receptive. They're depressed. They're just like, mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to kind of see that yeah. whole, that whole balance. That's interesting. Carolyn, we have come to the end of the hour. This has been so interesting. I feel like you need to come back because we still got a lot to talk about. <laughs> but in the Africana women community, we have a saying that goes, know your roots, grow your purpose. And I have some quick fire questions for you and just say whatever comes to your mind. All right. You ready? Okay. Yeah, go. All right. So the first one, what are you rooted to? God. Okay. And the second one, 
What are your favorite ways to nourish your spirit, body, and mind? Can I say reading the Bible? Mm, is it that, is that for all of them? Yeah, you can. You can say whatever you want. That one works for me. I think even, even for example, the fact that I've had three hours sleep today, but I'm awake and I've got plenty of energy. There's only one way that's happening. And it's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> it's all God. But no, yeah, I would say that that is probably the biggest thing for me. Um, That's for your spirit? For my spirit, definitely. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. my spirit. Um, what else did you say? Mind and body? Yeah. Uh, body, good food. I love food. Yeah. That's my body. And it has to be pretty looking as well and smell good okay. and taste good. And then um, for my body, kind of, what was the other one? Sorry. Mind. mind. Okay. I love reading. Um Although I haven't done much of it lately, so I kind of need to get back into that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, do you have a weakness that became your superpower? Um, I think everything that I've experienced in my life has probably become my superpower now because when I encounter people, I I recognize straight away, okay, this is what they need. Mm-hmm. That's great. And the last one is, what do you know for sure? I know for sure that if we step into our authority and understand how powerful we actually are on this earth, we can do great things. That's beautiful. I have enjoyed this so much. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to come and talk to us and just share with us your wisdom. Loved it. You have to come back. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, (laughs) please let us know. Tell the audience how can they find out more about what you're doing and get in contact with you. Where do they find you? Uh, So basically, you can either search my name, Carolyn Zimba. Very easy. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm probably on Facebook and everything would show up on Instagram, whatever. But uh, my Instagram is Empowered Alignment. Uh, very simple, two words. Um, and then, or you can go on the website, which is www.theea.life. And EA stands for Empowered Alignment. So it's T-H-E-E-A.life. And all the information is on there. I do online sessions. Um, I do group classes and they're quite small, like six people, which means okay. that you get personalized adjustments. And I'd be like, what are you doing there? Can you move that foot? No, 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 no. I didn't tell you to do that. Slow down. <laughs> but it means that, you know, rather than you watching something on like YouTube and kind of hurting yourself and getting it wrong, I really hone in and zip yeah. into what people are experiencing. So I do like, um, I'm at the moment, I'm going to be launching a, uh, a, a program soon, which is okay. a seven week program called Detraumatize Me. And that will Ooh. be centered around all the you know the micro traumas that people have and processing mm-hmm. processing them out and actually you'll find that for, throughout the time what you think you've come for you'll end up going a lot deeper than you think but it means when you come out the other end you're a lot more resilient much more rooted in your self and your authority basically so yeah so do you have to be in the UK to work with you no, it's online. <laughs> Everything's online now. <laughs> it's all online. I'm I've become a dab hand at Zoom now. So we yeah. have my television. I've got my little table. Everything's all set up. I've got my studio space. So the big living room is very helpful. Um, 
clearly God had a plan and he knew that I'd have to do mm-hmm. stuff online. Um, but yeah. now you don't have to be in the UK. One of my clients is in Zambia. I've got another client in Philadelphia in America. Um, yeah, so around, I've got UK as well. So spread out across the world. Awesome. All right, guys, please go find Carolyn Zimba. And it's a, well, I'll spell it for you so you get it right. And God, it has been fabulous having you here. Thank you so, Thank you so much. much. I think I said more than I expected, to be honest. Some of that stuff, I'm like, okay. Said that on public. Anyway, it's okay. We'll just, we'll roll with it. It's fine. We'll it's roll fine. with it. Come out. <laughs> thank you so much you've been amazing and um, real honor to be here can we just talk about how this lady was all up in my business (laughs) she's lucky i am coachable (laughs) so uh right at the beginning of our conversation carolyn said you are an accumulation of your experiences and the stories you tell about yourself What I really want you to catch is that you have the full power and control of how much energy you give to a story. You get to decide how much significance you give to an experience. You have the authority to choose your state of being not doing. Hey, we're not saying that it will happen overnight. No, friend, it takes time to train yourself. So give yourself grace. Are you loving this health series as much as I am? Well, I love to hear your feedback. So hit me up on social media at Chulu by Design, especially on Instagram. Then you have to go tell Carolyn. So find her on social media at Empowered Alignment. Tell her thank you and that you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. Share the love. All right. Thank you so much for making us part of your day by listening in. I truly appreciate you. So until next week, I want you to remember, know your roots, grow your purpose. This has been a production of Ulendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.ulendocreative.com.